Hello and welcome to the HPP Podcast. This is the HPP Podcast Editor, Arden Castle, and each week we explore a new topic related to the Health Promotion Practice Journal. Whether it's demystifying publishing, breaking down a new article, or discussing public health-related topics with our editorial board members, we hope you enjoy each week's exploration into health promotion practice. This is your host, Arden Castle. Today, I'm joined by Angela C., Jormi Navaska, Baato Fayono, Inu Shomar, and Mavis Nita, authors of Feasibility of Healthy Beverages Policies in America, Samoa, and Federated States of Micronesia, Water and Coconut Water-Only Community Interventions. This paper is from Health Promotion Practices' second full supplement with the CDC's Division of Nutrition, Physical Activity, and Obesity, and was published in May of this year. The supplement presents accounts of projects designed to change policies, systems, or environments to increase community access to healthy food and safe opportunities for physical activity. Some of the projects are big ones creating significant infrastructure changes or ambitious community engagement, but this project is kind of different, and so I'm excited to talk with the authors today about their realistic and practical approach to reducing consumption of sugary beverages in four communities in the U.S.-affiliated Pacific Islands, especially America, Samoa, and Micronesia. On a personal note, I'm really proud to talk with them today as part of HPP's first and hopefully annual celebration of Asian, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander voices. As a Chinese American woman myself, I'm super thankful to be able to create space for the diverse voices of the AAPI diaspora on this podcast, and I'll provide more details about the resources that we've assembled during the celebration at the end of the podcast. But before we get started, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, have them share where they're calling in from, and anything they want to share about their cultural backgrounds or their personal path to this project and the paper. And Angela C., if you want to get us started. Aloha. I am Angela C., and I have served as the evaluator of the Centers for Disease and Prevention-funded Racial and Ethnic Approaches to Community Health, otherwise known as REACH, which is this project we're going to be talking about. This project is based out of the University of Hawaii, but we work throughout the Pacific. I'm also an associate professor at the Johnny Burns School of Medicine at the University of Hawaii, and I've been the evaluator since 2008, working in the Pacific area, which is comprised of American Samoa, Federated States of Micronesia, Guam, Palau, Marshall Islands, and Northern Mariana Islands, using community engagement approaches in program evaluation. I'm happy to be here, a little bit about my background. I am ethnically Chinese, but I was born in the Philippines, and so happy to also be celebrating AAPI Month. We are happy to have you, and Jormi. Aloha, everyone. My name is Jormi Navaska. I'm a REACH program specialist here at the University of Hawaii, Johnny Brun School of Medicine. Likewise with Dr. C, I'm also an Asian American woman born and raised in the Philippines, so it is truly an honor to be here with you all. I work on public health programs and policies addressing health inequities and social determinants of health in the USAPI. I have over 10 years of collective background and professional experience in women's health research, application of public health theories and frameworks, health equity advocacy, and community-based participatory approaches, and engagement. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. And Ba'a. 
Tayamonwia. Um, my name is Ba Topayono. I am currently the executive director for the American Samoa Community Cancer Coalition. I've been doing public health work in American Samoa since around 2004. At one point, I was the local project assistant for REACH, and we are the organization that was contracted by the University of Hawaii to conduct REACH activities here in American Samoa. I currently do a lot more research work now instead of public health prevention, but I am, I am someone. I was born here but raised in the States and moved back in around 2004, so some people would consider me kind of like a coconut which I am okay with that. So I think there's both, you know, good and bad things about that. But, you know, so that's a little bit about myself. Excellent. And Ino. Good morning. My name is Ino Efit Shomar. People call me Ino for short. Six or five years ago, I was working with Jormy Mavis and Dr. C on the REACH project. I was the local project assistant, and currently I'm now the CEO of the Chu Community Health Center. I've been working with public health for the past 15 years, working at the local Chu State Hospital, which is also the Chu State Department of Health. And with all of these combinations, that's how I ended up where I am today. Thank you. Excellent. And Mavis? Aloha, my name is Mavis Nita. I'm the program manager for the CDC's Racial and Ethnic Approaches to Community Health Project at the University of Hawaii John A. Burns School of Medicine, Department of Family Medicine and Community Health. I assist with the project planning, implementation and evaluation with the partners in the US affiliated Pacific Islands and Hawaii to support the regional wide effort to reduce cancer and non-communicable disease disparities. I have over 20 years of experience working in the field of cancer control and 15 years of working with Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander community-based organizations and building their organizational capacity to address cancer prevention and survivorship. Excellent. Thank you all for introducing yourselves. It is a pleasure to have you all here tuned in from all over the place. And so for those of our listeners who haven't had a chance to read through the paper yet, can you get started with how and why you chose the interventions for the U.S.-affiliated Pacific Islands? So just to start, the USA, U.S.-affiliated Pacific Islands comprise of two U.S. Territories, namely American Samoa and Guam, and the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, and also three freely associated states, which are the Republic of the Marshall Islands, Republic of Palau, and the Federated States of Micronesia. The FSM has four states, namely Chuuk, Koshrai, Pompeii, and Yap. The USAPI population is estimated to be approximately 410,000 people living, and these are very tiny, small islands. The geographic area, if you can imagine, is actually twice the size of the continental U.S., which crosses about five time zones. The islands in itself are culturally and linguistically diverse, with more than a dozen spoken languages. For me and for our portion in regards to American Samoa, one of the things that we talk about in the paper too is about how westernization and colonization has impacted our peoples in terms of creating these social determinants and how they've impacted our health equity and created these health disparities that 
We have high rates of obesity, high rates of diabetes and things like that. So I really, we really actually appreciated the fact that with these policy systems and environmental changes that CDC offers, we wanted to try to think outside of the box in terms of the normal intervention that would be given. So we wanted to target something, an intervention that would reach as many people as possible on in the territory. And we consider churches because over 90% of the population is Christian. And we felt that trying to connect with people at churches would have the most impact. Also, because of high rates of obesity, again, we wanted to see about healthy beverages, trying to make a change culturally, because those colonization practices have really infiltrated our cultural practices. So for instance, we would have gatherings and at those gatherings, we would have local foods like coconuts served, but the coconuts have changed into sodas. So we wanted to try to see about implementing an intervention change policy related that would make that kind of change and hopefully make it substantial and, and significant for a long period of time. Absolutely. And thank you for acknowledging this effective colonization. But before we get to perhaps the challenges that these communities face, it sounds like there's so much diversity among these priority populations. And so I want to know a little bit more about what's healthy and resilient among these diverse populations. Sure. If I may, from our years of travel, we've noticed that locals actually like to fish. They like to gather local fruits and prepare traditional dishes, especially at major cultural events. Popular sports include volleyball, softball, and football, especially among the youth. Excellent. Thanks for expanding on that. And then to kind of come back to Va'a's point a little earlier about these difficulties without discounting that resilience in any way, I'd love to know what are some of the primary health challenges that these folks experience? The USAPI communities continue to suffer the greatest disparities in healthcare access and outcomes when compared to U.S. norms. There are very high rates of diabetes, obesity, and cancer, as well as infectious diseases found across this region. For example, the obesity rate ranges from 29.2% to over 80%. And the contributing factors leading to the poor health status include the disparate availability of health dollars, high levels of poverty, the minimum wage in Konpei is 175 compared to 925 in Guam. Also high unemployment rates, low educational achievement, unstable political environments, dependent local and regional economies, environmental vulnerability from climate change, rapid cultural changes, inadequate health infrastructure, and lack of human resource expertise. So as you can see, there is a myriad of issues and factors at play here. Absolutely. There are a lot of different moving pieces in order to take into consideration how to move forward with a project like this. And so given these disparities and things that we can lean on. How did you come up with healthy beverages as a policy and systems change intervention for healthy nutrition in the Pacific? In our islands, recently, these past few years, we've actually come across a lot of new drinks introduced into the islands, a lot of sugary beverages. We once tried to assess the kids at the school level and that's how we come up with the Rethink Your Drink campaign 
we went to the schools and tried to assess how much just of the knowledge the kids have. So we gather an assorted amount of sugary beverages, less water and less coconut. Have the kids come up and pick out what they think is healthy. It was just a big surprise to know that most of them pick the store-bought beverages instead of the water and the coconuts. And going back to the church, the church is really a big, powerful place where a lot of decisions are made and a lot of people follow these decisions. When we go to the churches, we see that for every function, you don't see water and coconuts. All you see is sodas and all these sugary beverages. And it's actually at the churches where we see most feasts or community events happening. And this is where they get all these unhealthy drinks, beverages that they're consuming daily. Every weekend when the churches do their functions, you don't see water, you don't see coconuts. And when we assist the patients at the hospitals, it's mostly pastors, sorry to say this, members of the churches that are in admitted for diabetes for a lot of these NCTs. And that's how we actually come up with the campaign to start community awareness education to the local schools, the churches, which we even partner up with them and have them sign pledges to start implementing water only at all their church events, which started happening that year and the years later. Thank you. Yeah, for, for me, I think building off of what Eno said and then what I shared earlier, I'll probably just mention about like in terms of background and history for us, our organization, we help to advocate for smoke-free legislation on island because when I moved down in 2004, you could smoke in public places. And we spent a long time trying to see about what kind of policy legislative policy that we could try to implement that would make that change to help protect people from getting affected by secondhand smoke. And so we were successful in that in 2009 and 2010 when a policy, legislative policy was finally introduced. So when REACH came around, we felt that we would build off of that momentum and look at another type of policy change, like we mentioned, policy system, environmental change, like CDC was supporting as well. And Again, one something that would have high impact, reach the most amount of people, and then potentially be kind of impact future generations as well. So I think that was the the right play for us. Absolutely. I'm hearing that these churches where places where decisions are made and where people are following these decisions, also a place where folks are coming together and this big piece of norm setting. And so as you start thinking bigger and broader about these systems level changes, and at least community level changes, we're definitely thinking about how this plays into a resource that you can use to change the norms, especially when you've had that knowledge piece where you're understanding what folks are expecting to be the healthy drinks. And so I think that's super fascinating. And because your evaluation change was linked to these drinks and evaluation of behavior change can sometimes feel so intrusive to communities, especially when it's folks standing over them with clipboards and things like that, that don't feel as natural in those environments or when outsiders are asking a lot of questions, but your approach was so subtle and supportive. And so I'm curious 
Did you have a set of North Stars or guiding principles as you designed the project and the evaluation? Yeah, so for the REACH evaluations, we work very closely, we meaning the University of Hawaii team, work closely with the different communities to design what is practical and what works. For those who are in the field of evaluation, I believe this is called utilization focused evaluation by Michael Patton, which a lot of us in evaluation know, which is a type of evaluation that is judged by its utility and its actual use. We also wanna design an evaluation that is useful and feasible at the community level. Otherwise it won't be done at all. And so we work to help facilitate the evaluation with the different local project assistants in the communities. In this case, we worked with Ba'a and his team and we worked with Ino and her team to help to design the evaluation, which comprised of figuring out how we will measure improvements in healthy beverage consumption to how we will collect the data and even how often the data is collected. That was the guiding star. And I'm glad that we have this opportunity to do this podcast because the previous version of the manuscript, which required a lot of revisions from this journal, it was because it was submitted as a research paper. And under the research paper criteria, the evaluation or research itself was not necessarily considered rigorous. And so many of the details of the evaluation was not included in this version. This version that has been published is used as a notes from the field or sort of a practical guidance for people who are doing work in the community. And so in the end, I was, I hope everybody else was happy that we were still able to get published, but this type of utilization focus, community focus evaluation approach was able to be acknowledged. So just how this intervention was evaluated was a few ways. We worked with the local project assistants to first figure out how do we measure healthy beverage consumption. So that would either be a number of water bottles that were consumed or number of coconuts that were consumed in an event. And also if it was like a jug, a gallon of water, how much it was reduced in volume. And the local project assistants are extremely busy. They often wear more hats than just for this project. And so requiring them to coordinate the intervention itself, as well as conduct the evaluation is sometimes not possible. So we encourage as much as possible to collect this data after each church event, counting the number of water bottles that were consumed, coconuts consumed, and so forth. But that wasn't always possible. So that had been one of the original criticisms about a lack of rigor, but we had to you know, work with what we had. And so various church events were tracked but maybe some were not because of practical issues. And so then that was used to you know, explain the extent that these healthy beverages were consumed. And so this is a proof of concept 
as was explained in the publication, just showing that A, these interventions are feasible, healthy beverages in the communities, in the churches are being consumed when they are offered, but also showing a practical way of conducting an evaluation given limited resources in various areas. And I'd like to add to, you know, this is kind of where it's important for us in living in these islands that we're, where we need partnerships and collaboration to help with administering these activities and implementing them. Because like what Angela was saying, where we have this design, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit this westernized approach to rigor, like research rigor, but, you know, this is the way that we operate and the ways that we share knowledge amongst each other is, you know, might not be quantifiable, but, you know, that's what we do. And that's where I think it's important. This kind of provides the stepping stone for more research, more evaluation that needs to, to happen that could actually bridge the westernized and our indigenous populations activities so there's more understanding about why it's important and we talked old earlier before about resiliency in our communities i know other funders are always resiliency is one of the key words nowadays and that's what they're looking for but they can't ask for it and then we're not able to explain it in these in these types of publications that they're looking for so it's kind of like a catch 22 i think so again, that's why I appreciate that Angela was persistent and the team were persistent about getting this article out and the importance of it as well. Absolutely. I'm hearing a lot about working with the community on how and when and how often you're doing this evaluation and also this reframing of the paper that had to happen because your research was so intentional about being unobtrusive by employing a creative way of evaluation. And yet you were able to reframe the paper without losing the heart of the evaluation focus, which I think is so, so important. And then also meeting the community where they were at because they were wearing so many hats and you know, really being conscious of their capacity and not asking too much as folks who need to write a paper and want to show certain things in this westernized model of evaluation. And I love that it's a proof of concept in this bridge between indigenous knowledge and Western ideas of rigor that we can start to bridge and show that this can be done. And so I really appreciate this paper. It is super, super exciting and a really great way to approach this community. And so thank you all so much for your time and wisdom on this project. I'm grateful for the ability to share space with you all. And I also want to point our listeners to this paper, which is fully available and the full special supplement, reducing chronic disease through physical activity and nutrition, more public health practice in the field, as well as the collection of HPP papers as part of HPP's recognition of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. This supplement, the podcast, the Spotify playlist of these voices, and this paper are open access and free to everyone. So please enjoy and thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the HPP podcast. If you enjoyed this content, let us know by tagging us or responding to our promotions on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also find out more about the Health Promotion Practice Journal from Sage or Sophie's websites. All of these links can be found on the podcast website at anchor.fm forward slash health dash promotion dash practice. Take care and have a great day.